This morning, again, as I mentioned earlier, Lee Wright is going to be preaching. He's an RUF campus minister at UTSA and starting this fall. Um, and RUF is a really special ministry to our college students, at least it was for my wife and I when we were at Texas. Uh, you, as you can, thank you, Sonny, uh, for our Texas representation here. My daughter's an Aggie. I love Aggies, but, you know. Anyway, so we're, Lee, thank you for being here with us to share with us. And if you would, come forward. Thank you. Good morning. It's a joy to be with you guys this morning. Um, I'm going to start off by reading from Psalm 8. That's going to be our passage for this morning, our time together. Psalm 8. Hear these words. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe of the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Pray with me this morning, please. Father in heaven, we thank you for these words. We thank you for the song and this reflection that David, uh, the king of Israel, sang to you that we continue to sing today. Um, We pray, Father, that you would encourage our hearts as we hear these words, as we think upon and meditate upon creation and what you have done in creating human beings as well as the world and uh, our role and responsibility, our love for it. We pray, Father, that, um, that your gospel would be heard um, and that your message would go forth clearly. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you guys this morning. My wife and I and family just moved to San Antonio two months ago. Uh, We are still getting settled in. We're originally from the state of Texas, but I spent six years as the RUF campus minister at the University of Central Florida before coming here uh, and and starting at UTSA. Uh, And you can pray for us in many ways, but uh, we are trying to figure out what Uh, ministry will look like in this pandemic time. At this point, it looks like we're not going to be able to be on campus, uh, which would be kind of weird for a campus ministry to not have a campus uh, to do ministry. But uh, pray for us. We've already had some students reach out to us um, who have been current students as well as some that are moving there. And if you know of anybody who's coming to UTSA uh, or a college in San Antonio, please connect them with me. I would love to uh, engage with them. Uh, we are probably going to be doing a lot of ministry out of our home, and my wife is Italian, so that means that we're going to have really good food. Uh, so if, if you're trying to convince uh, a student or a friend that you know, let them know that the rights cook really, really good food. So uh, that'll, that, that will probably, well, it might bring them in. We'll see. Um, but the Psalms are a rich book. I know you guys have been going through them this summer. The church that we belong to in San Antonio has as well, and it's just a delight to hear uh, the Psalms, this, this book that is contained within the Bible that is just singing, uh, and it, it particularly provides us emotional response for us of the scriptures. 
they were songs that the entire congregation of Israel would have known and would have sung together. Uh, and, and they would have been so familiar that you could just pick up singing if you heard one part of the song. And today we're going to be talking about Psalm 8, which is the clearest example of a song about creation, about God making his world uh, and creating it. And what I want you to have this morning is this picture of stargazing. Um, I grew up in a more rural part of Texas, and I remember going out to my backyard a lot of times and laying on the grounds beside my pecan tree and looking up at the stars and just seeing thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of stars, and just the beauty that that elicits. And, and being, able to, being able to view that is such, a, is such a wonderful thing. So I want you to have that image in your mind, whether it was when you were a child or an adult, or maybe even last week when you were out in the country, and the image of being a stargazer, because David was a shepherd before he was the king, and as the shepherd, he would have slept with the sheep, and it wasn't in the Ritz-Carlton. It was on a, a grassy knoll most of the time, and so this idea of him looking up and stargazing would have been something that he would have done on a daily basis as a shepherd, and so he is reflecting upon the beauty that is in the stars, the beauty that is all around the world. But then he, in particular, he comes up with this one question of, God, why do you care for mankind? Why do you care for your people? But before we get to that, um, I love watching shows. I love watching new shows, especially uh, Netflix-type shows that you can just run through really quickly. And in the past decade or so, a lot of shows highlight this character that is called an anti-hero. This person that is the protagonist, but in some ways you wouldn't even characterize them as a protagonist because even though they're the main person, they often have an evil element to them. So talking about shows like Breaking Bad where the main character is a drug dealer. It's a little strange. Or House of Cards where the main character is this conniving politician. Right? In, in many ways, you, you're sort of rooting for them, but you're also like, I don't know if I like them that much because they're, they're a little off. Uh, they're a little manipulative. And maybe you don't like those kind of shows, and, and if you don't, that's probably better. Uh, but you might watch cable TV. You might watch the news and be hooked into the statistical information about, uh, about COVID-19. Or you might be watching the political theater that's happening right now and have one side or the other that you are, that you are onto. Whatever it is, the, the depravity of humanity is on display in our culture. It's evidence that something is wrong with human beings, that there are people that are, that, that are evil, that are conniving. And in some ways, I would say that we even crave that. We even long to hear about the darkness and the depravity that is within uh, other people. And sometimes even within ourselves. And so we, we hear of these things, but oftentimes we forget of the creational value that is within us. That God actually created us in his image. That he created us to do good works. That there is beauty in us. And as the psalm really points and really wants us to center on, is that God actually cares for us as human beings. Uh, one of the things in the that the Bible does is that it creates the storyline that goes creation, that God created all things fall, that there was a fallen nature, that there is sin, that there's brokenness in the world. Redemption happened. Jesus came and redeemed all things, but God throughout the history 
of the world and through the Old Testament is redeeming his people, bringing his people back. And then the last part of the story, which is restoration, that he is going to restore all things. And oftentimes, in, in our minds, I think we get into this idea that it's all about fall, fallen, depravity, darkness, and then them being saved and being redeemed. Fall and redemption, and we forget the other two parts. And so we're really going to look at this one part, this creation part of the story. And I hope that you get to see the beauty that is within human beings today. Uh, as we think of this, I, I want us to point our attention and consider it from the, the basis of Genesis 1. Genesis 1 and 2, but in particular Genesis 1. Genesis 1, uh, chapter 1, uh, excuse me, verses 1 through 5 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and he called light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And we hear this over and over again with the different creation, cre- created parts of the, of the first five days of creation. God created something. It was the, it, it was the end of it. That was, that, that was the day that he created Things. And so there, there's a reminder as we hear of these things in Genesis 1 that God created these beautiful things for his glory. Uh, but as we, as we get into this text, and, we, and if we had a ton of time, if we had all day, we could kind of go through how God creates all of these beautiful things for his glory. But in particular, I want us to think about how God creates human beings for his glory, and he does it as the most cherished of all of creation. So we're really going to be looking at verse 4 in particular. In verse 4, David uses the strong language. And, and I love how the NIV says, what is mankind that you care for him? This isn't, just talking, this isn't just a reflection of David asking it, why do you care about me? But really, why do you care about all of humanity? So he uses a strong language, and in ways he's riffing off of Genesis 1:27, where it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. This is a huge passage. This passage, there, you, there are really four, three elements of it which is the Imago Dei, that God created us in his image. The human beings are made in the image of God, that there is a stewardship element to it, that we are to subdue and be fruitful and multiply the earth. And then the third element, that there is common grace, that all of mankind was created in God's image, and that there is a grace that we all have that God's beauty and his grace is shown in how we are. And so in the Imago Dei, we are the only created part in all of God's creation. Humanity is the only one that is made in the image of God. God is particular about talking about this, that we are created in his image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them as human beings. So there is, there is something unique and special and beautiful about every single human being on this world. 
on this earth. And then secondly, this idea of stewardship. Humanity, we as human beings have dominion and rule over all creation. This means that we have the opportunity to actually steward the earth, to take care of the earth, to care for it ourselves. God puts us over creation in order to care for it. We even hear it here, right, that you have given him over the dominion of the works of your hands. We, we, we are given as, as, as people to take care of the world, the sheep and oxen, the beasts of the fields. I'm reading from the ESV, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. We as God's people take care of these things. That is a beautiful responsibility that we have. But then thirdly, this idea of God's common grace being over all of his created people is wonderful. Regardless of how you as an individual are, are like felt, like how you feel right now, you're created in God's image and, and there is good within you. There is good that, that you do, that your personhood uh, has. And so there, there's a beauty in the common grace of each person made in God's image. Uh, so God has placed his beautiful handiwork on every part of creation, especially every human being. And it might be difficult to understand because there are people who you might legitimately hate and you might legitimately feel are evil and aren't good people. I want to give you an example. Uh, my wife's family is Italian. I mentioned that earlier to you guys. Uh, their last name is Vigiano. And in many ways, I belong to that family. I'm actually on a text thread with them, which is really sweet for a waspy person like myself. Um, and what's amazing is that they have, they have kind of folded me into this family. In fact, they, they call me a Vigiano. And as a right, that doesn't make any sense because I'm, I'm not Italian at all. And so they enjoy good food. They enjoy good laughter. They're just fun people. And so it's really easy to love people who are nice and jovial and great, but it's much harder to love groups of people that are difficult and that might be a strain on society. Uh, I like watching some bizarre TV shows, so hang with me for a second. There's a show on, that, that is actually canceled now that was on TLC called My Big Fat Gypsy Wedding. And it's as crazy as it sounds. Uh, there are these Roma gypsies, especially in Eastern Europe, who have these elaborate, huge weddings over the course of several weeks. And during this time, uh, they, they outfit the bride and the groom, and they also are, are just wild and crazy, and they drink too much, and they're awful to one another. They yell at each other. And the show really, as, as I said earlier, it, it highlights the unrest and the depravity and the awfulness of these people. But when you look back, and and in one episode, they actually talk about how the Roma people, in many ways, helped save a lot of the European people during the Great Plague because they have these cleanliness techniques where they use just a couple of forks and spoons and bowls, and they clean them thoroughly. And people in Europe actually gained these practices and helped stop the spread of that awful disease that was ravaging the country. And during this pandemic time, we can understand that. If someone came to us and was like, how can I stop this from coming into my neighborhood? We, we, we would say, I want you on my team. I want to get to know you. I want to love you. Um, but because of 
the way that they acted, they were considered scum. They were considered the lowest of the low people. And so because of that, they, they, weren't, they usually weren't respected. They still aren't respected in European culture. And as Americans, I think that we can very easily categorize one person or an entire group of people as scum. We can kind of look at them and say, well, they don't act the right way. They don't have the same morals that we do. Uh, they, they aren't doing the, the proper things. Uh, and even for entire people groups, we as American people do this all the time. Uh, I've been watching the Hamilton musical almost nonstop since it came out on Disney Plus, and we did that to the British. And then we have, have had other groups of people to replace that with. Even in my lifetime, I think there have been three different groups of people that we consider scum, that we just don't want anything to do with because they're evil, because they're not good. So who are the scum in your life? I want to read this quote to you from Martin Luther King Jr. that applies to common grace and to help us uh, to not fall into that trap of having scum in our life. He says, there are no gradations in the kingdom of God. There are no gradations. There is no highest group of people and lowest group of people. All of God's people are made in his image, are seen equally according to uh, how God made made them. And so who are the gypsies? Who are the scum in your life? Is it a particular group of people? Again, is it an individual? Is Is it people who are, I mean, we can come up with very, very strange ways of thinking of this, like people that, wear, that have tattoos or are very loud or are emotional or too quiet, or people, um, especially on the college campus, people that are not woke, or if you look at college students, students that are woke. If you don't know what that means, I'm, I'm grateful for you. Um, is it a certain class or race or social status of people? Is it people who aren't well-traveled, or is it people who are well-traveled? and you're tired of hearing about them, who are your gypsies? Who are the people that you consider scum? Um, And are you able to recognize the beauty even in a person that is created in the image of God? Um, Are you able to recognize the cultural beauty that is in them? And as I think of this, and, and even as I prepared for this morning, it can be overwhelming, right? Because my heart... Is, is not, it's not great. It's not beautiful. It leans towards not liking people and being frustrated with them. And so we as God's people need Jesus so badly in this case because we can't fully live up to our created value. Um, we can feel wrecked because we don't cherish people, because we don't take care of creation. And, and oftentimes it can just lead us to not caring at all. But Jesus gives us a better way. Uh, in Genesis 3, you, you know, we hear of how everything was broken. And we can look out in creation and look at all of the beauty that ought to be there, and it's not there. There's rattlesnakes, especially in our part of Texas, and tons of cactus, and of course heat, which you guys experience here. And then there's the wonder of the ocean, which we, which we left in Florida. But then there's also just tons of jellyfish and sharks and undertow, things that, things that you know, kind of ruin creation for us. But seeing Jesus here is paramount. 
In the ESV, it, it asks a second question in verse 4, that the Son of Man, who is the Son of Man that you care for him? And this is a, this is a term that Jesus takes on. Jesus takes it on in Luke where he says, the Son of Man came not to be served. Even though he was king of the universe, even though he created and put all of this together, he came not as a king to be served, but he, but he served us and gave up his life as a ransom for many. This is the Jesus who we love. This is the Jesus who serves creation. The author of Hebrews <clears throat> speaks of Psalm 8, and he says these words, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. Did you hear that? He cares for everything. He left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see him in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Friends, Jesus stooped down to this earth to gaze upon the stars of creation. Imagine Jesus, a stargazer just like us, looking up at the stars, singing these same words of Psalm 8 together and caring perfectly for the stars, for all of creation, and for us as his people. And then going and tasting death on our behalf. That is the beauty of what Jesus has done for us. And that actually propels us to love our neighbors, to love the scum in our neighborhood or in our community, to care for those who are in our midst. It gives us an appreciation of the world and the God who made it. And, to, and for us to sing the, the psalm, or excuse me, verse 1 and verse 9, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That we remember, yes, that God has come, that Jesus has come and has died for us, but how majestic is he uh, for us to not simply look at the chaos and the ruin but to look at the beauty that he has given us. God has given us an opportunity to enjoy the earth without making an idol of it. For us to enjoy one another without feeling like we are being humanistic. This is a part of our Christian call, is to love one another and, and even to love our earth and to take care of it. Would this passage this morning draw you to Jesus? Um, if you're not a Christian today, I hope that this encourages you. That God cares for you. That God wants to know you. That Jesus actually graciously came to save you, to bring him back to um, himself. Today, I hope that you have the ultimate satisfaction in your heart that you can hope in Jesus. Let me, let me pray for us this morning. Father in heaven, thank you for these words in Psalm 8. Words that draw us to... Remember your creation to 
be mired less in the, the, the ways that it's broken, but to enjoy the creator. Uh, Father, I pray that you guide our hearts. I pray that we would be um, more passionate about your creation. Pray that we would be more passionate about those in our midst, that we would love in, in more beautiful ways today. Uh, Jesus, you have come because you love us. I pray that our hearts would be encouraged today knowing this truth. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.